You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Three. The Bay Area Museum lay on the northern side of the bay, almost in the shadow of the Golden Gate Bridge. It was surrounded by an open area with a large outside exhibit filled with cut-through redwood trees, obstacle courses, and play areas. Even a fishing boat was up on blocks, so children could see what had once brought fresh salmon and striper to Fisherman's Wharf. Jim took a deep breath of the late afternoon air as he got out of the car. He loved the smell of the bay. And when your own home was on Market Street in the city, nothing was better than standing in an open spot, looking at the Golden Gate and breathing the salty air. Fleen got out of the other side of the car. Jim had offered to take her along to give her some practical experience. Most of her assignments with Tempest so far had been surveillance jobs in her cat form, and he felt that he owed her to get out amongst the people of the city. Her human behavior was still a little off, and the more practice she got interacting with people, the better for her. Why don't we live out here? Feline said, noticing Jim's deep breath. It smells better here, and it's a lot more fun to run around in the forest than on the streets. Because one of the first things you learn as a detective is that you live where the work is. Most of the people live in the city, so that's where we live. Also, there's hardly any spirits out here. If I need to talk to some of them, I need to be able to call them. I still say we should move. Well, when you get your own agency one day, you can live out here. That seemed to cheer Feline. You think I'll get my own agency? If you keep your nose clean, yeah, why not? You and Mercedes can go into business for yourself. There's going to come a time when I have to find somewhere else to go. Because you don't get any older? Exactly. So far, Inspector Charles has been running interference for me, but at some point, someone is going to notice that the same guy's been gumshoeing in the city by the bay for a little too long. They began walking to the entrance, and Jim had to put a hand on Feline's shoulder to prevent her from jumping up on one of the playgrounds. Remember... You're human today. Don't act like a cat. Or like a child, for that matter. Right. Feline straightened her back and brushed her blonde hair back. Human. Got it. The museum itself was fairly large and spread over multiple buildings, so it took Jim and Feline a while to locate the special exhibits hall, where they had to flash their passes to the two guards monitoring the three workers who were setting up the glass display case. The rest of the museum was almost empty, the last guest having left half an hour ago. Inside the case, the Valencia chalice stood lit by two spotlights. The case was standing in the middle of a square of velvet ropes, making it look fairly accessible, but Jim's practice eyes spotted the small emitters for a laser grid in the ceiling. Obviously, with a flick of a switch, the case could be in the center of a laser net that would trigger the alarm if someone approached the glass. Jim and Feline approached slowly, 
looking at the cup in the case. It was neither a royal cup inlaid with jewels and gold, nor a gilded wooden cup such as the one in that Indiana Jones film Jim had watched years ago. It was made of reddish agate, and had two golden handles curving from the cup to the base, giving it the resemblance of a heart shape. The base had some sort of stones or pearls, Jim couldn't tell which, set in. It gave the impression of the cup itself being set into a new fitting later. Jim could easily imagine the simple stone cup being used in a normal meal. So, that's it, Feline said, cocking her head. Doesn't look that special. Couldn't that Jesus guy have something nicer made? It, Jim began, but closed his mouth. As someone who had not been involved in any religion for more years than he cared to remember, and someone who had in the past been accused of being an actual angel in a human body, he didn't feel comfortable lecturing a non-human about religion. He considered for a moment. It's not the looks that matter. It's the idea of it, I think. The connection it has with the resurrection legend. A man entered through the door and headed to their side. Mr. Corrigan? That's me. This is my associate, Feline Swarovski. Pleased to meet you. My name is Eric Campbell, museum administrator. Inspector Charles told me to expect you. We are, of course, very grateful for your help. But, as you can see, our own security is more than adequate. Armored glass in the display case, laser sensors... Let's hope that it'll be enough. Jim looked around. So is there any place in particular you would like us to settle down? Within close proximity to the case is probably best. I've had some chairs and a sofa brought up from one of our lounges. Campbell gestured to a corner where two red chairs, a green couch, and a small table stood. They looked fairly small in the large room. In the daytime... I figured it could be used by the visitors who need to sit down for a while. There's a coffee machine outside the door in case you need something to drink, and a snack machine down the hall. What? You're not going to feed us? Feline asked. She looked disappointed. Jim elbowed her and smiled at Campbell. First takeout. She'll be fine. I see. Campbell looked at Feline, who now wandered off to inspect the softness of the couch. But not yours, I take it. Not even by a long shot. Excellent. The workers should be done any minute, and then we'll leave you to it. Here is a key card for the entrance. He handed Jim a credit card-sized plastic card. This will open all interior doors as well. But I hope you'll remain in here... That's the plan. Why don't you go home and get a good night's sleep? We'll fill you in in the morning, and we'll get to know each other well in the coming week, I suspect. Quite. Good night, Mr. Corrigan. Campbell looked one last time at Jim and Fleen as if he wasn't completely sure about them, and then left the hall. The guards and workers left a few minutes later, having finished the last adjustments to the case. One guard activated the lasers with a remote control before leaving. The beams were invisible to the naked eye, but Jim had seen enough alarms like this to know that it could most likely be heard all the way to the Golden Gate if someone stepped too close to the case. Jim had settled in one of the chairs, 
while Feline stretched out on the couch. With an empty soda can from the trash as an ashtray, Jim lit a cigarette, thankful for the guards leaving. He was sure that smoking would be prohibited in here, but he didn't see the harm when it was just him and Feline. He had taken a look around for smoke detectors, but hadn't seen any. So, what are we supposed to do all night? Feline asked. We're supposed to guard the case. Did I not explain the concept of a stakeout to you? Well, yeah. But are we just supposed to sit here and look at it? I'll be bored in an hour. I brought a book. You can use your phone if you want. Why didn't you bring a book for me too? Feline said. Her voice was pouty. Because I have no idea what you read. Should I have also brought a saucer of milk and a rubber mouse for you? I'm not a house cat, Feline said. No, I suppose you're not. But I still don't know what you like to read. There's a bookstore right down the block from the house. Why don't you visit it tomorrow? Buy yourself something you're interested in. He paused. What are you interested in? Jewelry, clothes, animals? Feline hesitated a bit before adding... Andrew? Jim grinned. You're interested in Andrew? I doubt there's any book about him. No, not like that. I like him. He's nice. You might have issues with Mercedes on that score, Feline. I don't want to speak on behalf of either her or our favorite ex-FBI agent, but I think she saw him first, as the saying goes. So what? Feline turned to her stomach and looked at Jim. So, first come, first served. That's the way of the world, kitten. Don't call me kitten. Fine. But take it up with Mercedes. I don't want to, no pun intended, cat fight in the office. Capiche? Yeah, yeah. Feline pulled out her phone and began playing one of the games. Jim knocked ashes off into the can and shook his head, smiling. With all the effort Mercedes had been putting into his love life, it was nice to know she might soon have her own to worry about. The night seemed to go on forever. Jim had never been good at stakeouts, even when he was a cop back in the old days. He always felt the need to walk around, to scout things out from different angles. But in this room, there were only so many angles you could look at the case from. Several times he stood and walked around the room, both to keep awake and to check the door and the blocked-off windows. He looked at the chalice in the case a few times, too. Thinking about Michael, the psychotic angel or whatever he had been. If there was such a thing as angels, could this cup really be what it claimed to be? Could it be the actual Holy Grail? And if it was, how could it be used by the unknown thief? Jim had looked at the research Mercedes had pulled from the books and internet forum. This chalice had been used for ceremonies in the Catholic Church for centuries. Popes had performed the Eucharist ritual with it, had drunk from it. So, if it was the actual Holy Grail, why had none of those popes become immortal? Could it be that there was more needed to actually create immortality than the cup itself? Jim rubbed his face with his hand and blinked. He looked over at Feline, who was now on her back, snoring slightly. 
Jim considered waking her up, but he knew she would be alert if something happened. Her cat nature meant that she almost literally slept with one eye open. The smallest sound could bring her to full awareness in an instant. Jim didn't expect anything to happen tonight. The exhibit would not open until tomorrow, and the thief wouldn't be able to know if the item was on display or not. He expected the woman to visit the exhibit during the week and learn the layout of the museum before breaking in. Chances were better that Andrew and Mercedes would encounter her tomorrow. Still, no reason not to be careful. Jim went to the door that led to the corridor, and as soon as he pressed the handle down, Feline opened her eyes. Where are you going? To get a cup of coffee? Can I get you anything? No, thanks. Well, if there's just plain water, then yes. I'll look for a bottle of water. Jim went into the corridor and found the machines Campbell had spoken of easily enough. He chose a cup of black coffee from the coffee machine and looked through his pockets for vending machine change. As he pressed the button and the bottle of water fell down with a bump, he seemed to hear another bump, almost like an echo from the room behind him. He froze, not moving, listening for more sounds. The museum had poor acoustics, but he was almost positive he could hear a faint moaning sound. Turning around and leaving both coffee and water where they stood, Jim raced back to the special exhibits hall. He almost skidded on the smooth floor as he burst through the doors and stopped dead in his tracks. In the middle of the floor stood a woman with her back to him. She was dressed exactly as the night watchman had reported, a black, form-fitting jumpsuit that hugged her body and looked like something from a comic book. She held one hand outstretched with her palm forward as if she was telling someone to stop right there. And it seemed like that was exactly what it meant. Hanging in midair, floating like a fly in amber, hung Feline. She had apparently leaped off the couch and knocked one chair over, creating the bumping sound he had heard. But before she had reached the woman, she had been stopped by some unknown force. Feline's eyes glowed a bright green, and it was obvious that the suspension was not with her approval. Her muscles were tensing like a panther in a cage, and she obviously used all of her considerable strength to try to overcome the force holding her. It was equally obvious that it was pointless. The woman in black turned her head when he moved through the door and blinked her eyes. Another one? How many are on night watch in this place? Hold it right there, Jim said, wondering exactly what he would do if she refused. If Raul Hernandez was to be believed, shooting this woman could end up very badly if she turned the bullet around in the air. Or what, exactly? the woman asked. I've got your friend here pretty safely contained, and I could probably do the same with you. How did you get in here? Jim asked. His eyes took a quick tour of the room. There were no broken windows and no other entrances than the door he had come through. If you knew enough about me to wait here for me, you know how I got in. I teleported. The woman tilted her head. Look, you sound like a cop, but you're not. Your friend here is far too strong and agile for someone her size. Who are you guys? How do you know I'm not a cop? Jim said. Professional instinct, the woman said. I've learned to spot a cop a mile away. Question still stands. Who are you? 
We're private detectives from Tempest Investigations. We're here protecting the chalice. Jim didn't see any harm in giving those details to her. Tempest Investigations. Private detectives guarding rare artifacts. And... She focused her gaze on Feline, who was still struggling to no effect. Girls with superpowers working for you? Not your everyday law enforcement? Put her down. Right now. If I put her down, I'm pretty sure she'll claw my face off with those nails. Not something I'd really plan for tonight. Jim looked at Feline and made eye contact with the outraged werecat. Feline, cool as ice. Now. Feline visibly relaxed, her muscles losing their tense look. The woman in black nodded approvingly. All right. I'm going to put you down, but I warn you, girly. I have just as fast reflexes as you do. If you make a move, I'll do more than hold you suspended. Deal? Deal, Jim said. Feline slowly drifted to the floor, and the force holding her seemed to vanish from one moment to the other. She lurched a little on her feet as she regained her balance. Her eyes seemed to burn into the woman in front of her. Remember what I just said? The woman's voice wasn't threatening, but seemed serious. Feline's fist unclenched. She made her claws, which had extended where her fingernails normally sat, disappear back into the skin. Her eyes still burned, but she seemed calmer. The woman in black looked at her hands and raised an eyebrow, making her look a little like Mr. Spock on Star Trek. I really wasn't expecting people like you. What the hell kind of detective agency employs people with superpowers? The kind that deals in the cases most other people won't touch, like theft of artifacts such as this? The woman sighed and shook her head. I really don't want to be pitted against someone like you, then. I honestly thought I was. Well, this sounds corny, but... The only one who could do the things I do. Most people do, Jim said. But there's a lot more to the world than meets the eye. So, if she's some kind of cat woman, what are you? The feline equivalent of Robin? The kitten? Not exactly. I'm just an old-fashioned gumshoe. Really old-fashioned, actually. But we're getting off track here. Tell me why you're after the chalice. You're not exactly in a position to make demands, but okay, why not? I couldn't care less about the chalice. Basically, I work on order. A client wants something, I get it. So you're working for someone else? What does he want with it? I have no idea. Frankly, I didn't ask. Let's just say that this isn't an assignment I do voluntarily. I've got to deliver the things he wants, or something... She stopped and visibly looked uncomfortable. Something happens to someone I care about. I've got very little choice. So, you're being blackmailed? Feline asked. That's not nice. Why don't you kick their ass? Because I'm not in a position to do so. I can't just pick him up and shake him. He's... Why am I even telling you this? It's not like you can do anything. Maybe we can. Jim kept his voice calm as he reached into his pocket and pulled out his cigarettes. He shook one out but didn't light it yet. 
You already said that you weren't used to dealing with others like you. Well, here we are. We deal with supernatural things on a daily basis. If anyone can help you, it's us. Is your... your client waiting for you to return? No, I contact him when I have it. I have all week. Then, if I may suggest taking the night off and talking to us about this, we can do it here or go to our office if you feel comfortable enough with us to do that. I promise you that you'll be totally safe from both the cops and whatever your client is going to do to you. You couldn't keep me prisoner even if you wanted. It's very hard to trap a teleporter. What's a tele... Feline began, but Jim looked at her and she shut her mouth quickly. The woman in black looked from Feline to Jim. You know what, Mr. Tempest? Call me crazy, but I actually believe you. Okay, why not? Let's talk. Where is this office you speak of? 4450 Market Street. My car's outside if... Never mind the car. I'll see you there. She closed her eyes and seemed to concentrate for a moment, but opened them again. Ah, what the hay. If we're doing this, let's do it right. She reached her right hand out to Jim, and he took it. And I'm not called Mr. Tempest. The name's Jim Corrigan, and this is Feline. The woman took Feline's hand in her left hand, while still holding on to Jim's in her right. Pleased to meet you both. I'm Rhea. Now... Hold on to your hats. There came a popping sound, and the special exhibits hall was empty. On the floor, a single unlit cigarette lay behind, 